everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. Did you know that an estimated 124,000 tons of food scraps are thrown away each year in Montgomery County? Reducing food waste begins with you. Plan meals in advance. Make a shopping list and check expiration dates. Cook the food you buy and cook smaller portions. Save extra food in reusable containers. Let's keep food out of the trash and aim for zero waste. Visit MontgomeryCountyMD.gov slash reduce food waste or call 311 to learn more. Hello, Cleveland, and welcome back to another edition of the Dogland Podcast. I am your host, Jackson McCurry. Uh, let me shut off Twitter real quick because Goldberg's uh, pyro is flashing in my face. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, we got a great show for you playing tonight. Um, this guy, longtime friend of the show, been on multiple times. We didn't have him on last season, and I feel bad because we didn't because he's been so good to us throughout the years. But, you know, to kick off season five, uh, what better way we've been planning this actually for months and just timing could never make this work, but we're making it work tonight. He's now with the Browns wire. He's the managing editor over there. Jared Mueller, Jared, how are you, my friend? Jackson, man, I'm doing good. Uh, it's, you know, we've, we've been doing this for a while, right? Like I think we started, I might've been over at dog pound daily, maybe, maybe still with the OBR, but now we're over at, you know, with USA today and the Browns wire and a quality team to cover that's actually winning. And, uh, you know, some days I got to kind of pinch myself and go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It goes back to the OBR days, but like you were on so many times you were on the night we got o- Odell Beckham. What a fun night that was, but, uh, yeah, good to have you on the show. Um, you know, we talked about this with Jack Duffin on the season pr- premiere, which if anybody hasn't checked it out, please do. It's available wherever you listen to podcasts, obviously, but, uh, your thoughts on the Nick Chubb extension, because it looks like a win-win for both sides. It really does. Um, and obviously Duffin is, is, is my guy when it comes to some of the salary cap stuff. Um, and not that it gets confusing, but I feel like he does a really good job of like kind of explaining it in dumb, dumb language. And I need dumb, dumb sometime, you know, so don't we all he does the, yeah. So he does a really good job with that. Um, you know, for me, the, the extension made sense for everybody. Um, and it, it put the Browns in a position to, to use up the rest of, of what we know will be good Nick Chubb. And again, we know will be good Nick Chubb. He could be the exception to the rule, but we don't want to assume that. And they didn't do that by this contract. He'll get to his 1200 and some carries during this extension. If he, if he starts to slow down, they cut him in that last year. Um, You know, maybe they trade him. They have a lot of options. I just think it worked out really, really well from a team building perspective. Um, You know, an article that I'll be writing soon when, when a, a new dog doesn't, keep me from sleeping um, is, you know, it really is another sign that Andrew Barry is not just about the numbers. So many times we talk about analytics and numbers and those kind of things. And I think it's just really proven that he is not just all about the numbers and really is focused on what, what builds a good team. And we know he's learned from some interesting places, right? He was in Indianapolis was in pure analytics and teardown mode with Sashi uh, then with John Dorsey and then obviously with Howie Roseman in Philadelphia. So he really has this really interesting blend 
Um, and I think that that shows with this Nick Chubb extension, which is good for everybody, right? If Nick Chubb moves on at, I believe he'd be age 28 at the time of the end of this contract, then the Browns are okay with that. And, you know, in the next two or three years, they draft another running back, whether it's Felton, whether it's somebody else in the next two or three years, they use a third round pick like they did on Anthony Schwartz uh, at the wide receiver position. And they kind of go from there and they build from there. So it just makes sense across the board. And next year's uh, small salary cap hit that we're expecting or that over the cap is reporting uh, really sets up well for what they need to do with Denzel Ward. Baker Mayfield, all of that kind of stuff. Can they, they front load some of those things um, as well as it matches up with Landry and Beckham uh, one or both of them being off the salary cap in a couple years. So everything just seems to match up and, and, you know, it's one of those things, the Browns make sense, right? They don't have their quarterback uh, in some disgruntled uh, cases playing safety and doing all kinds of random baloney. And it's really fun to see. Yeah. Without a doubt. It's like nice to see this team, functioning as a legit NFL franchise and just taking care of business at the same time. Um, you mentioned Denzel Ward. The consensus would seem to be he is the next one lined up to get an extension. Do you agree? And then after that, what do you think happens with Wyatt Teller or potentially a Ronnie Harrison that that rumor has been floating around? You know, I know they've talked to Ronnie Harrison. I know that's true. Yeah. Um, but Ronnie Harrison and the Browns both realize Ronnie Harrison is going to make it to free agency. Like, that's just the reality. It doesn't benefit Harrison in any way, shape, or form. Uh, he is also, uh, from what I understand, now under Drew Rosenhaus. Uh, and they like to get their guys to free agency. To be very honest, I would not be shocked if the only possible deal this offseason is Baker Mayfield. That's the only one left that I believe could get done. There's a variety of reasons for that. Ward's health is a concern. You also have to remember Denzel has not um, primarily lived outside of the state of Ohio. And so that is something that as you look at, what do I want to do? I've, I've lived in Ohio all my life. Is it something where maybe he's willing to kind of push it off a little bit and see what happens, right? Um, and so I really think, and then Wyatt Teller, uh, I've said this on a few different uh, podcasts or on radio show, you know, Wyatt Teller wasn't going to win uh, the guard spot last year. Drew Forbes would have won the guard spot if he didn't opt out. And so I don't know if the Browns realistically think they were able to spend money on him. Um, so they'll let that ride unless they got some kind of sweetheart trade offer. They're going to let that ride with the best offensive line in the NFL. And I think the only one that really could get done this off season is Baker Mayfield. Now, listen, they might, figure something out with Ward. They might come to Harrison and be like, Hey, maybe we didn't see what we wanted out of Grant Delpit, whatever it is. But I really think the only one that we might see this off season or early in the season of being Baker Mayfield, uh, the Ward, the Harrison and the teller, I think those are all going to be put off and we'll see where they go from there. You know, do they, do they get to the point next off season where they can tag Wyatt teller so they can get a third round pick, you know, something like that. They have some options there. So you actually think Baker's going to get done now. I seem to think, and you know, you hear some of the reports and the rumors and everything that they're just kind of, it seemed like they were pushing it back. And I was actually okay with that. And I tell Duffin this, like, it seems like this front office just wants to see a little more out of Baker. And I feel like that's perfectly okay. But you seem to think that this will get done actually. 
now? Um, not that Soon? it will get done. I believe that the team wants it to get done. Okay. It's, I believe it's the, t- I think, I believe it's Baker Mayfield from what I've heard, just again, nothing officially report yada, yada, yada. But from what I hear, it seems more like Baker Mayfield and his side is like, we know what could happen. We know what this offense looks like. We know what Baker Mayfield looks like in a, in a second year in an offense, go back to Oklahoma. We know what could be. We know we could be pushing 45, 48. We could be pushing above Dak, you know, those kind of numbers with a great season. The Browns looking, can we get you 35? Can we get you 36, 33, you know, whatever. Can we get you in that range? And Baker's Baker and his group going, yeah, you might be able to, but we think that's 10 million more, right? So I think the Browns were more interested in getting this deal done than Baker's side is. Um, and then obviously you have Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen not being done yet either. There's just so many variables there. But if you see some realistic deals from Allen and Jackson, I think you can see that Baker Mayfield deal get done. That's interesting. It's going to be something to watch here in the coming weeks. I know Allen, I've seen the report today that they have a week one deadline that they're setting. And then if that doesn't happen, it won't happen until next, the, the next offseason. So that is fascinating. It's going to be interesting to see if any of them get done. Because Lamar yeah, I mean, is so significant because he's negotiating on his own because he doesn't have an agent. But I think both of them are interesting. People talk about Baker Mayfield and the play auction pass and set up for success, blah, blah, blah. It's literally what Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen were had happened to them from the minute they walked into the NFL, right? Both were protected. Both were given options to run the ball. You know, Josh Allen's completion percentage in his first two years was terrible. He took a huge leap last year. But again, is that leap sustainable? And Buffalo's a smart team, right? They're not just going to give out huge money if they don't think it's sustainable. But was that Stefan Diggs, right? And, and how long does a smaller receiver like Stefan Diggs, is he still able to be that guy if you're trying to sign Josh Allen for five, six years, right? So I think there's, there's some logic behind the reality is, and I don't, this is probably a little hyperbole. I think Baker Mayfield is the more likely long-term success rate than the other two. Allen hasn't had a long period of time where he's been accurate. Lamar Jackson, again, I love him. He, I am not that guy that says anything terrible about him, but he is smaller. He does run a lot and he does have some struggle struggles outside of the numbers, but he's great at everything else. So um, of the three, I think Baker Mayfield probably has the more sustainable success given everything he's been through and the fact that he was able to have the 2020 season he did have. Absolutely. Um, so. This is a topic that Anthony wanted me to bring to the table with you. And it's fascinating because you see the fan base and how they depict this Browns team. And in your opinion, how should the fans and the media, how should they set their expectations this year? How should we manage our expectations? There are some that saying we should go for it. It's Super Bowl or bust. And then there's some, including myself, that are just like, this is another season we can build upon last year. We're looking, we're not looking for just one Super Bowl. We think this is a team that could win multiple Super Bowls and have a six to seven year window of sustained winning. How should we manage it this year? I think it should be the latter, but you know, some fans yeah. will be like, well, we got to go for it now. The time is now to win the Super Bowl. And so what's your take on all that? I think this offseason they did prove that they were going to be pretty aggressive. Yes. Uh, towards everything. Right. And I, th- and Andrew Barry has been a man of his word. He said he was going to be aggressive and we were all like, 
what does aggressive actually mean, buddy? Because you can mean a lot of things in aggressive. You mean a lot of trade. You can mean a lot of this, that, and the other. He's really been aggressive. But I think the reality for, for fans and media and everybody and their brother who cares about this team is realizing that the playoffs end up being like Yahtzee in that you have no idea what's going to happen, right? Literally, Patrick Mahomes gets, Mahomes gets a weird tackle, uh, has a nerve issue, and the Browns almost dethrone the defending Super Bowl champions and who then go to the Super Bowl, right? So injuries, all of that stuff. I am a process over outcome guy. Do you see them capable of winning the Super Bowl, right? Rashard Higgins gets hit in the head, should have been called, blah, 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 blah. Even if he doesn't extend the ball, then he's at the one-yard line. There are so many things that happen, but are they capable of winning the Super Bowl and hopefully then get one? That's the mindset is, do you see the capability of winning the Super Bowl? The reality in the NFL, generally speaking, unless there's a major injury, one trade, one addition outside of quarterback doesn't tend to move the needle. It does from an excitement perspective. It does from a lot of other areas. But generally speaking, especially when you have a roster as talented as the Browns, right now, unless you're bringing in Aaron Donald, you're not significantly changing this team. You're just not. You can bring in a really good cornerback. That'd be great. I, it does not significantly change the team. Very few players do when you get to this level, when you don't have any holes. So it's not about going all in, getting crazy, all of that. It's just about realizing, do, do, are they capable? Is Baker Mayfield, is Odell Beckham Jr. as the number one wide receiver? Is this defense, is it capable of winning the Super Bowl? Do you see it on the field on a regular basis? Should they go all in if they have an opportunity to do something? Sure. But I'm not sure they're going to, there's that Aaron Donald's not going to be traded, right? So um, I think in the end, it's process over outcome. So set your expectations on this should be a team that looks like they can win the Super Bowl. Yeah, without a doubt. I just find it funny, like every time and the Xavier Howard thing, it's been the latest thing. Like he becomes available. The media says the Browns could be a likely landing spot. And then people run with they're going to trade greedy in a in a second or third or whatever it is for Xavier Howard. And I'm like, no, that's just a hypothetical. And then right. there's people that are saying they should do it. And it's like, well, no, because you have to turn around and pay them. We're already tied up into the cap as it is. We're, we got to let that money roll over to actually help us in some aspects. Like you don't want to put all your chips in just yet. Like, well, I, and, and to be honest, once teams go all in, they go all in, right? The Rams, the, the Saints, the Steelers, they go all in. And normally that all in is a lot of times keeping your own players, right? The Saints make some moves. The Rams make some moves, but a lot of the Rams are kind of crazy. Like I'll just be very honest. They kind of have this belief that we have like 10 great players. Everything else doesn't really matter. Like that's kind of how they've set up their team. Whereas the saints, it was a lot about keeping their own players. You know, they make the Emmanuel Sanders uh, signing every once in a while, but the, you're not getting that big time player. Most of the time it's teams keeping their guys. And that's when they go all in. So they restructure, they push money off. But the reality in the NFL is that money's going to count. They can restructure and push it down the road. But if I restructure 10 into five, five is later. So I have five left over. I'm going to pay it at some point in time, primarily. And so that's really when teams tend to go all in is in some of those kind of moves. Xavier Howard wants to get paid. There's just a lot of other things that go in uh, that are involved with that, um, that I think can make it difficult. But you're right. Not every big name is going to make a difference for the Browns. 
So we're keeping our fingers crossed on this guy because he did suffer a knee injury. We don't know the results yet. Um, there is going to be an MRI according to reports, but Anthony Walker, low key free agent signing seems to be working out really well early on prior to the injury. Uh, John Johnson revealed to the media recently that he is not going to be the man with the green dot. It's going to be Anthony Walker. And this was fascinating because one of the things about John Johnson when we signed him was he was the signal caller, which you don't see very often in a safety, but now it's going to Anthony Walker and Jared, like, should we be surprised that Walker is going to be the guy? Does this really make a difference or is this just some media hoopla that's going to get turned into something when it's really nothing? I mean, isn't that what we do? We do media hoopla, like we do rankings, we do lists. No, oh, oh um, by the way, did you hear Carson Wentz had a foot injury? What? The random question. What do you, what do you the... think about that, Anthony Walker? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I was low on Carson Wentz. Primarily, one of them was injuries and accuracy. So um, I like that win. But in the other column, I have Jared Goff, who I thought was, you know, because his name was Jared was off the charts so I, he's destined know, for greatness destined for it because he can throw a ball that's wet um yes. <laughs> but for anthony walker no obviously we hope that the the mri comes back well from his knee um i have a little bit of concern for that um uh, my guess is uh, my old stomping grounds the obr may have some information on that so if you're a subscriber over there uh listen i love my peeps um so if you're a subscriber over there they may have some stuff in rumor central and ask the insiders make sure you check that out but uh, the whole green dot thing is, is a little bit of a story only because for a lot of people, Anthony Walker was a afterthought, right? One year, four and a half million off the top of my head, um, which is a decent amount of money for a linebacker. But we saw from Darius Leonard, we saw from some other Colts, they saw him as this huge leader, this guy that was inspiring, this guy that was motivating. So that's, he has some of that John Johnson in him from a leadership perspective. And then you, if you can, you always want, a three down linebacker to be your green dot because they can communicate directly with the defensive line and directly with the secondary. Whereas John Johnson would have had to communicate to the linebackers to communicate uh, to the defensive line, different things that he sees or whatever. So you always want that, but Anthony Walker hasn't been a three down linebacker in Indianapolis. That happens when you have Darius freaking Leonard, right? You don't need him to be a three down linebacker, but can he really be that guy? Um, you know, do the Browns feel okay about that because they're going to be running three safeties? You know, we don't know, but I think it makes a lot of sense. The real question is, is if, you know, worst case scenario, we got to talk about it. If something really is wrong with Anthony Walker, does it go revert back to John Johnson? Right. Or, you know, who is that? Is it Jacob Phillips? JOK is still out until probably the end of this week. Um, you know, Malcolm Smith has some experience uh, and someone who can kind of be a steady voice and all of that kind of stuff where does it go from there because you still would love it to be at the linebacker level but jj3 you know he's got that experience and he's good at it do you think like if the injury is significant do you think they go out and try to bring in another free agent the name is escaping me that's the seahawks linebacker but i think he's still KJ, out. right is he still out on the market i, th I believe kj i feel is. like he is yeah and i wonder if the browns would make a play for him or try to bring in another veteran of some sorts, or do they just roll with the young guys that they have right now? I think they're going to roll with the young guys that they have. Um, I think KJ Wright is, is a, is a great example of a player they could go with. Uh, I just don't, I'm not sure what that, what they see in him and what they would want to pay him and what right. he is looking for, but he's probably like some veterans do. I mean, they're, 
Um, there are some defensive tackles that are kind of out there waiting for an injury to happen. So it makes sense that, that he would be the kind of guy they would go for a good leader. He, you know, he's not Bobby Wagner in that respect. Uh, but I think KJ Wright could be, um, I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, I, I think they would try to see what they have with, um, with Phillips, uh, with Malcolm Smith, with JOK, obviously again, that could make Mac Wilson's uh, life more likely to make the roster. Sione Takitaki, those kind of things. I do think they're, they could go in that direction, but most likely um, would not. So when you look at this roster as it's currently constructed, um, what is your biggest area of concern on the roster right now? Because people could say, oh, the Browns have no holes on the roster, but theoretically there is a couple position groups I'm looking at right now where I'm kind of like, yeah, and it's kind of wait and see mode to see how it works out through training camp, through preseason, just to see how they're looking on the field. I mean, it's primarily the defensive line, right? Defensive tackle, defensive end. Yes. You have names in Clowney, J.J.V. and Clowney and, and Tack McKinley, but you don't have games right now. Clowney does a lot without sacks, pressures, helps set the edge. The Browns really like that bigger guy uh, across from Miles Garrett to really set the edge. Um, but defensive tackle, Malik Jackson, like we're assuming somehow Malik Jackson is Sheldon Richardson, and I'm not sure where that assumption comes from or why we're believing in that Tommy Togiai, Marvin Wilson, Jordan Elliott was not very good last year. He's, he's really gotten rid of some of that baby fat and those kind of things. But I just think you're relying on a lot of maybes hopefuls. There's talent there, but you have nothing proven outside of miles Garrett. I literally, you know, Andrew Billings, thankfully he's not for billings. You know, he didn't come in at 400 pounds, you know, yeah. after what we saw in OTAs, he's got a lot of strength, but you know, that's two guys. You need the other two guys to be dynamic, right? Because if Andrew Billings is just taking on two blocks, that's great. But if the other guys can be blocked one-on-one, okay, you're going to get a chip from a back. You're going to get a tight end on miles. You're going to get their best blocker on miles, whatever it is. I just think it's the defensive line group. Um, I think AJ Green is now he's starting to become a storyline. So I'm not out in front of it. Like I wanted to be, uh, which is part of an article I was trying to work on (laughs) stupid dog. The dog's awesome, by the way. Love this stinking, stinking thing. She's the cutest thing in the world. I just like to sleep, not on the floor. Um, but AJ Green, I think, is going to be really good. I think they really liked him. They spent good money on him uh, as an undrafted free agent last year. So I'm not as worried about the cornerback group as other people are. Um, Greedy Williams last year, Joe Wood saw him as his number two cornerback. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Over Terrence Mitchell. And he's, and that was listed for the first, I think, four games of the season that Terrence Mitchell was starting in place of Greedy Williams. So I'm not as concerned about cornerback as maybe I was um, and as some other people are. Um, and then the safety room, they have three. They don't have anybody else. Uh, Richard LeCount, I think, can be fine in the future. Um, but relying on rookies is just silly. So um, especially if you want to compete for the Super Bowl. So really it's defensive tackle, defensive end for me. Is that the same areas that you were looking at? Or uh, do you have other areas that kind of stress you a little bit? 
it was defensive tackle, but I was also, I was thinking corner. And my, my thing is more the injury concerns because of Denzel Ward's history, because Greedy Williams coming off a year where he did not play. And then behind them, you have Troy Hill, you have a rookie in Newsom, you have AJ Green who has shown flashes early on in camp, but then you have MJ Stewart, Robert Jackson, some of these guys that we had to play at the end of the year and got exposed. I mean, it's, that just leaves me worried. You know, they did look at guys in free agency. Gary on Conley's still out there. You would think if an injury happens, you would think he'd probably be the first call they make, but I'm still kind of worried about the depth of that position. Yeah. I mean, I think injuries are obviously huge. You, you can never plan for them, but you look at, again, like you talked about Ward Williams, Newsom had a lot of injury history. So that's a, that's a reasonable concern area. Um, listen, if I don't hear, have to see five foot six Tevier Thomas, trying to trying to guard anyone again that I'll, I'll be very very happy because that was ridiculous to see um mj stewart i think as a fifth corner is fine sixth corner those kind of things uh but yeah there tavier thomas uh, by the way i don't know if he's five foot six he looked five foot six uh when he was trying to play cornerback so i think they've added some depth there but i agree with you injury could you know I mean, they could, they could show some problems. And I think it was Stefanski today who said even more, we need more cornerbacks, like all day, every day, the more cornerbacks you can get, the better. And the Browns have continued to show that they value coverage over pressure. And um, I think that fits with what pro football focus has been saying for a little while now. Uh, and I'm starting to actually come around on it, which I hate. Just be prepared for uh, Jack Duffin to DM you with the because you're slandering Tavier Thomas. That's his boy. Listen, get your money, dude. I don't care. Like, <laughs> just, hey, he was great. I mean, he I would was. actually, great I would actually pay team. him two million dollars as a special teams player um, that Houston did. By the way, talk about a jacked up franchise. How much money they spend for no apparent reason uh, to start Tyrod Taylor? Like, whatever. Reminds uh, me of the Randy Lerner Browns. Everything in every sense of the word silly oh god man like i'm sorry seeing jimmy haslam being in an interview this week there's a part of me that's like dude i don't ever want to see you again i never it's never beneficial to the team that you open your mouth are involved in anything except for all the charity work they do an amazing job in the community all that kind of stuff but when i hear him talking and when he said i wrote it up on brown's wire um yes there's talent on the field that i need to see wins I need to see you shut up is what I need to see. Like the Browns might have some struggles. They might lose to Kansas city. They might get blown out by Kansas city. And then they might have some uh, holdover into week two. And Jimmy, I need you to shut up and go away for four years, but we don't have to deal with that right now. Thank Holy heaven that we have some continuity for the first time and hope of continuity. Yes. The D Podesta extension news was uh, quite uh thrilling to hear it because i think a year ago i was like blowing up your dms going did deep podesta get an extension and like you were trying to figure it out and i was like it seems like he would because why wouldn't it be is it just made sense right. to keep everybody aligned but it's funny you mentioned jimmy haslam because the browns thumbnail of that press conference it just said d haslam so we know who's in charge of the Cleveland Browns now. It's 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 the D show, and Jimmy had to get kicked to the side. <laughs> well, but it's a, yeah, and it's actually funny. I talked about this on ninety two three. The fan is uh, what's actually interesting is the way that that was talked about by Haslam and in the media afterwards. It sounds like D Podesta signed that contract last year. We're just hearing about it this year. Right. He signed a five year deal. 
to line up with the two guys that signed a five-year deal last year, yep. which means he signed that last year. We find out about it a year later. Cause guess what? Paul DePodesta doesn't give a flying rip if we know what his contract status is. And so it literally took an entire year. No one knew announced leaked anything that the chief strategy officer, the guy who wanted to hire uh, Sean McDermott, the guy who wanted to hire Kevin Stefanski over Freddie kitchens, the guy who made sure Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry were in line to run the Cleveland Browns had a contract, a five-year contract for a full year before we found out about it. He don't care about getting attention. He wants to win. Exactly. That's what I love about Depot. He's all about the business. He's all about the work. So it's just, it's great to see that like, he's like, I'll sign this extension. This don't make it a big deal. I just want to get back to work. So it's great yeah, to out see. Out in California primarily, but whatever. Hey, hey, he can work wherever he wants. They, they can put him on the moon. Elon, take him to the moon. As long as he keeps building this uh, powerhouse, that's the Browns. I don't, I don't really trust the Wi-Fi signal up there. Let's keep going down, <laughs> uh, down here and, and we don't need no phallic shape things carrying our executives <laughs> off into. Listen, do you see how I kept that really professional and really above board? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, getting back on track. Is there a camp battle that you are just most intrigued by that you're keeping your full attention on during camp? Or is it just like, it doesn't matter? Yeah, I mean, for me, the one I'm most interested in watching is really the young guys at defensive tackle. Like Malik McDowell is going to be an interesting guy. He looks a little Calais Campbell-ish size-wise. Uh, and the Browns aren't just bringing some reclamation project in like that without a belief that he can do something. And so, you know, the three guys in there, you're talking about to Tommy Togiai, talking about Marvin Wilson, and you're talking about Malik McDowell. I am really intrigued. Um, but people are talking about Damian Squire. I believe I got his name right. Uh, the veteran out of uh, out of the Chargers as if he has a chance to make the roster. So I am really intrigued by what's going on there. Yeah, me too. Um, also, like the offensive line, more essentially like the reserves. Like you got Forbes, you got Dunn, you got the guy named Blake, you got Nick Harris. Uh, Jake Burns revealed on Saturday when he went to camp that Michael Dunn was getting reps at center. Mm -hmm. And now you, I mean, Harris got first team reps today because JC Treader was ill, but it's kind of like Harris versus Dunn's going to be something to watch during the preseason because everybody assumes Nick Harris is going to be the center of the future. It could be Michael Dunn for all we know. Well, I mean, you look at it, you, you literally without even looking beyond, so you got the starting five and then you have literally five backups that would have been a good Browns or anybody line. If you go Hubbard, Hudson at tackle. Those are your two tackles. Hubbard can do guard as well. Nick Harris is a center. Michael Dunn and Drew Forbes is your guards. You're looking at 10. It's why um, I really do believe the Browns are looking uh, to deal from that depth in the future. And I think that's, but a deal isn't going to be done because they're going to keep things open for injury possibilities. Right. Um, you know, like, okay, we'll deal offensive line, which there's not enough good offensive linemen in the NFL. What you're going to do is you get Bill Callahan you let him soup some guys up and then you throw them out for a second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever they're worth. And then they go, Oh, without Bill Callahan, what is Wyatt Teller? For example, right. Yeah. Without Will, without Bill Callahan, what's Michael Dunn? Because, you know, Teller passed over, you know, multiple times into the fifth round. I believe he was drafted. The bills signed all these other players or traded for players to replace him dealt him for a fifth round pick other teams had the option of getting him so i think you're going to see the browns kind of use bill callahan to to kind of amp up some talent 
And I think you're seeing that with Michael Dunn, Nick Harris. Um, I think the Browns could actually get more out of Dunn from a trade perspective than they could for Harris or even Forbes. So let's show his versatility. Let's show that he could be a center. But the reality is if Nick Harris is not good, if he's not able to figure out how to overcome his, his size limitations, the Browns, Andrew Barry is not beholden to Nick Harris. They just, he fell farther than they thought he would, but they're not beholden to him. But if they are, they've got five backups that in a lot of ways, they're confident if, if all of them have to be used, not at the same time, but if all of them have to be used, they really like what they've seen from Hudson already. Uh, his dedication, his work ethic, uh, Callahan has really seen him as a sponge. So that offensive line is ridiculously deep in a league that most teams have three good offensive linemen, if that. And don't forget Alex Taylor. This is the guy they were stashing early. Oh, yeah, big dude, like 6'8". Yeah, they were stashing him early, and then the Cowboys snatched him up, and then the Browns were able to get him back because the Cowboys didn't – I guess they didn't see anything in him. Well, and then they also signed – you know, one of the only offensive actual signings, not camp invites, was Greg Sinek, who's an yeah, offensive lineman one. as well. So, you know, you look at that, and you're – you have to scratch your head. When things don't exactly make sense – Greg Sinet signing tells you something. I don't know exactly what it tells you, but it tells you something. Now, were they worried about Chris Hubbard's injury? I was yeah. shocked that that dude was active uh, to start training camp. Were they worried about other things? I don't know, but it tells you a little something that they wanted to have Sinet kind of in the in in their grasp so that they could do something else. Uh, and that tells that leans me towards. Uh, the possibility of trades and using depth and having Sinet maybe be that guy again, guard, tackle, flexibility, whatever it is. So we're recording this on Monday night during the middle of free agency in the NBA. <laughs> and we've gone 25 minutes without a free agent signing. Alex Caruso to the Chicago Bulls was the last one. But Jared, while I got you in here, because I know you are a basketball fan, just like me, uh, your thoughts on the Cavs signing Jared Allen to the five-year $100 million extension. Yeah. I mean, the reality is, is he's almost got the best first name, almost not like Jared Goff, um, <laughs> but the reality of the, the NBA salary cap, and I haven't covered the league in a couple of years, actually, since the Cavs won the title, whatever number of years that is. Good time um, to walk off. Just be mm -hmm. like, they won a title. I'm done. <laughs> I'm good. I'm out. Yeah. So I did a little bit of work uh, for SI for a little while, but besides that, you know, the reality is, is the NBA salary cap is a cluster uh, in so many different ways. The rules are so unique in that the Cavs could have let Jared Allen walk. And the reality is, I believe they would have had like $5 million to replace him, right? So um, when you talk about that contract and then you see Doug McDermott get 15 or whatever he got, you see that Alex Caruso got what he got. You just have to understand it. It's not as clean cut in the NBA as it is a place like the NFL, Major League Baseball. Teams just have to keep talent. The Golden State Warriors did a sign and trade for D'Angelo Russell and Kevin Durant was the deal, not because they thought D'Angelo Russell was worth the 20, whatever million or 30 million they got, but because if not, they literally would have had a, a veteran minimum. And so then they used that trade. They got Wiseman, you know, Andrew Wiggins. NBA teams just have to keep as much talent on their roster as they can. And it almost doesn't matter what they pay them unless they're Kevin Love and they're not doing a darn thing and they're making $40 million or almost $40 million. That's where it really starts to matter at that level. But at this level, $20 million, uh, he, he's in a good position. He plays center. He's young. And I think the reality is now the, the Cavs have five young players 
that most of the NBA would like to have. Not that they're going to say these are going to be number one stars, any of that kind of thing, but they have five young players and they've got some veteran depth, right? And so all in all, this is a player you have to keep. You didn't give up much to get him and you got him. I'm pretty sure if an, if any other NBA team had the salary cap space and a need at center, they would have signed this deal, period. I don't think there's a single other team unless they're, they don't believe in having a center like Houston Rockets did with Mike D'Antonio. Besides that, I don't think a single other team would not have made this deal, which tells you it's a good freaking deal. Yeah, the overreaction by some Cavs fans was a little ridiculous Monday afternoon because it was like, yeah, he doesn't have an offensive game, which most centers do now, but it's like, he's young. He still has time to develop. This is nothing like Andre Jumman a year ago where he wanted the max and he's pretty much, his abilities are maxed out and who knows where he's going to end up in the league this year because he doesn't have an offensive game and he's pushing his late twenties, early thirties at this point with Jared Allen. He's still young who with the Cavs development team, maybe they can, form develop some kind of offensive game for him and he's so great on the defensive end him and Evan Mobley and Isaac Okoro like that's a defensive trio front court that's going to be potentially a force here in the next two three four seasons I mean even from an offensive perspective running stack screens with uh, Mobley and Allen where both can roll um, you know can rim run uh, Allen or Mobley is going to be able to pop out to shoot and and those kind of things um, you know, or even you can run a big, big pick and roll with Mobley as the ball handler. There's a lot you can do with a creative offense. Also, if you are going to build around Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, two undersized guards, having mon- two monsters at center and power forward just makes a lot of sense. And to tell you how crazy it can get, Daniel Theus, who is a not a good, not a great player, four years, 36 million. So he got half you know, 9 million a year. So only for only four years of what Jared Allen made. And I will promise you, Jared Allen is five times better than Daniel Theus. So uh, it's just the way it works in the NBA. It's exciting for the Cavs to just have talented players that are young and fun. And I don't care if they run a single thing of offense, if they just run up and down the floor and play defense, they're going to be a fun team. Yeah. I'm excited to watch this young core. Um, what do you think happens with Colin Sexton? There's a ton of trade rumors out there. He is eligible for extension at midnight tonight. I do not see him getting the max. I'm sure they'll ask the Cavs for it. I, I just think he's a sixth man at best going forward in the league. But how do you think that situation will unfold? I actually him? I actually really like Colin Sexton. I do, I do too. Think he, yeah, I think he can be a good sixth man. I think it's the best use of his talents. And that's not talking down about him, exactly. right? But if you had a... I'll just say, if you have Ben Simmons instead of Darius Garland, well, great. You have a big guy who can guard and play point, who's not going to shoot very well. Maybe that's when Colin Sexton is going to thrive a little bit more as you're starting to guard. But I think the Cavs see him as a player. They're just, if they're able to get an upgrade at fits, then they're okay moving him. So I think Sexton may get an extension, but it's going to be closer to the start of the season when they have decided not to trade him. But like, again, I use Ben Simmons as an example. Uh, there's trade rumors around a lot of different players where the Cavs don't want to make that move to make the other team already have had made that decision. But I think at the end of the day, most likely Colin Sexton gets an extension near the start of the season because you keep talented players and you pay them what they're worth and you go from there. Um, and so I think that's what you're going to end up seeing 
uh, from the Cavs and Colin Sexton. If you don't see a Simmons, Pascal Siakam, there's a few other players. Bradley Beal's not going anywhere. Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, they're not going anywhere. So for the Cavs, it really is just finding if they can get an upgrade at fits, then sure, they'll make that move. If they can get an upgrade at fit and move Kevin Love, which they would probably have to do with Ben Simmons, unless they did some other things with Nance and Jetty and some of those guys, then I think they do it. But in the end, I think we're, you're looking at their, they might not be the starting five, but you're looking at the core five now. And the Cavs wonder if they can be the Detroit Pistons of 2000 and something, maybe somewhere in that area. The Ben Wallace, Rashid Wallace, Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton. I am missing who their small Tayshaun Prince. Tayshaun Prince. There you go. If they can be that kind of championship level team, that's more of what they're wondering with the upside of Garland and, and Mobley being 1A, 1B type players. Colin Sexton is a solid number two. I really, truly believe that. Um, and I think you're going to see him get extended at the start of the season. Yeah, it'll be fascinating because I, I do like Colin Sexton. I don't think he's worth max money, but he is someone worth keeping around because if he evol- evolves into that six-man role, you look at Jordan Clarkson, you look at what Lou Williams has meant to teams, what Manu Ginobili has meant to teams. Being a six-man is not like, it's not a bad thing. And people like get up in arms when you say, oh, Sexton's a six-man at best, and it's like, but he averaged 25 points a game. Yeah, but that's all he's really good at right now. I mean, he works his ass off in the gym, but it's like, he's right. just a he's great a- scorer. He's a great scorer. He's a hard worker. But being a six man, again, is about what else is on your starting five, right? So if you need a scorer, you put him on the starting five. If you if you just want him to be all of your second unit offense, he can be all of your second unit offense. His passing has improved. His defense sort of has improved, which is not saying too much. Six man isn't a bad thing. It's just the reality of of his fit and need and then what the NBA looks like now. Well, Jared, thank you so much for the time. Uh, excellent as always, brother. Um, you're always welcome on the pod. If you ever want to come on, appreciate you. You're over at the Browns wire now. So, uh, tell us about that, what you guys got going on over there and plug yourself, brother. Absolutely. So, I mean, the Browns wire are part of USA today. Really our goal is to try to keep everybody as updated as possible on what's going on with the Browns as quickly as possible. Uh, so I took over for Jeff Risden. Jeff and I are still partnered together, uh, to work on the Browns wire, Um, and really just focused on um, bringing you stuff quick, snapping it, let's go. If you're going to miss the day, you can get over the Browns wire. We're going to get you up to date on on pretty much everything that's important. And then really, you know, for me, it's, it's adding some new things, use of video, uh, some of those kind of things that, that really I enjoy. So you're going to see some when NFL game pass finally freaking works, you're going to see some more video breakdown, those kind of things over at the Browns wire. So check us out, like us on Facebook, and then you can get a hold of me on Twitter, Jared K. Mueller. Um, I, I'm not for everybody. Uh, I, I talk about a bunch of random things, including wrestling, which uh, Jackson is currently watching uh, right now while talking to me. I can see. No, some I'm, I'm just scrolling Twitter and Goldberg had <laughs> come up at the beginning and I was like, Oh, that's when I turn it off. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, AEW somehow Adam Cole might be a free agent. And yeah, I'm like not a, a WWE month. guy anymore. That's crazy land. Uh, yeah, so, uh, but yeah, you'll see a bunch of pictures of the new dog. Uh, Dottie is, uh, an interesting little girl. So uh, that's where you can find all my good stuff. Uh, So thanks for, man, appreciate having me on and uh, go Browns. That's right. Uh, And it's, I'm going to go ahead and say this because it's like Browns wire week on the Dogland pod because your colleague, Brad Ward, 
he'll be joining us Thursday night to uh, record an episode. So Brad does great stuff with all eyes on Cleveland as well as at the Browns wire. So looking forward to chatting with him. Um, as for me, you guys can follow me at Jack McCurry 08, follow the Dogland at the Dogland on Twitter, as well as at Facebook on Facebook. Um, give us a five-star review on the podcast, wherever you guys listen, follow, like, share, subscribe. You guys know the spiel. And until next time, like Jared said, go Browns. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Leftovers? Or... The DMV? Number 97. Or... House cleaning? Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.